previously on the Sports Refuge Podcast. Who do I want to face or who am I afraid of in general? I'm not afraid of any team, but based upon last night, I'm afraid of every team. From Delaware, almost live, this is the Sports Refuge Podcast. This is the weekly podcast featuring interviews with guests discussing their connection to sports. And now, here's your host, Earl Holland. We're back for the 80th episode of the Sports Refuge Podcast, the show where guests share their connection to sports. I'm your host, Earl Holland. Softball has been in Kelly Cullen's blood. As part of a family of softball players, Cullen has loved the game of softball since she made the switch from Little League Baseball. It was a passion that not only led to opportunities playing at the recreational, travel, and high school levels, but a chance to play at the Division I level as a walk-on at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore. But then, after her freshman year, she walked away from the sport citing disillusionment. The hiatus from the game allowed her to find that lost spark for softball that led to a return to the competitive aspect of the game. In this episode, I talk with Cullen about her softball journey in addition to what led to her decision to play Division I softball. Kelly will also share why she pursued criminal justice as a major in college, a big lifestyle change she underwent, and why, as a softball player, she has a minimal interest in watching baseball. And now, my interview with Kelly Cullen. She is a former high school and college softball player. I was lucky enough to interview her for her uh, announcement when she was deciding to go to the University of Maryland Eastern Shore. This is Kelly Cullen. Thank you for being on the show, Kelly. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. I know things have been getting a little crazy and ramping back up, especially as people are starting to get out of their houses now. Yeah, definitely. Thank you a lot for having me. It's an honor, you know, since we've worked together when I was in high school a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm honored to be on your show with you. And thank you for being here. I know one of the biggest things when I think about you, I always think about softball, especially pitching for Bennett. What led to you playing softball as we get right out of the gate? I think a lot that led with it. I started off playing Fruitland Little League. My family was big into sports. So where I went from playing Little League baseball, I went into Wicomico Rec and Parks, into their softball league. And then I met Coach Kim Fitzgerald, who is the Bennett softball coach. I met her. I had classes with her at Bennett Middle. And then I ultimately went to James and Bennett after and started my high school career. Yeah, it was a lot that built up to it because I played like travel ball and stuff like that. So a lot of time, I'm very dedicated to it. And it was just a lot of fun. You just met a lot of new people and I like to travel and stuff. So the travel ball portion of it, it really pushed me to want to really play and be serious in high school. I know you briefly mentioned playing Little League Baseball. How long did you end up playing before you ended up going towards the direction of softball? Oh, gosh. Maybe, I don't think I got into like the older years of playing Little League. I think I played like a couple years Little League and then I transitioned over to the softball part of it. Yeah, I don't really remember much of playing the baseball part just because I was so young. Like I started when I was five. So softball really is what I've done my whole life. In addition to softball, did you play any other sports on recreational or even high school teams? I used to play soccer. So I played soccer at Crown and I played some travel soccer. So, but then when I got to high school, it was all just softball. What were some of the things that you were taking from your experience playing soccer that you were maybe able to use in softball? Probably the conditioning part of it, just with like all the running and stuff like that. I think that's really it. I had thought about playing soccer in high school, but I wasn't as dedicated to that as I was softball. 
I know you mentioned the travel aspect of playing softball. To you, what was a normal routine for a, a travel game like? I think the normal routine for me personally was... Well, obviously, you'd practice throughout the week. So I was used to doing like three practices a week and then you're playing all weekend and you could play up to four five, six games a day. And then you go into Sunday to your championship day. But, yeah, it just took a lot of more dedication, putting in a lot of more extra hours than it does. Not saying high school doesn't really you don't put a lot of time into that, but you'll get off school, you do your homework, you have travel ball practice, and then you got to do it all over again. So it's a lot of dedication to it if you want to play it. From my experience as a reporter, just sort of watching everything going on when you're just sort of trying to take stock of everything, I always noticed that the dugouts were always an active place, especially more so, I think, in softball than in baseball. And I know there may be a few people who play baseball at different levels who might say otherwise. But right. what is it like in a softball dugout? What is the emotion and the energy like? Just the energy is like always like high strung. I mean, honestly, I've never seen another sport like it. But I mean, I've also lived it. So I think with softball, it's either, okay, if you have like a bad inning or something, you come in, your teammates are cheering you up most of the time. And like just the energy pumps you up because they're like all in there cheering for you. Everybody's all hyped up. Most people, they play music nowadays. So they always have like their music playlist. When I first started, we didn't really have all that. So now I think it's a lot more amped up now than it used to be. But yeah, the energy is just great. It's great to be a part of something where you're just like hyped up the whole time. And like, especially when you're winning or you're having like a good inning or everybody's hitting the ball, everybody's doing good. It just makes it 10 times better. Are you a very loud person in the dugout? Um, I like to think so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I like to cheer my teammates on. I like to be positive, but it doesn't always happen the way I want it to be. But yeah, I like to cheer my teammates on. I like to be loud. You know, I like to cheer everybody on, you know, just so if you're not having a good inning. Okay, try to pump you up just because sometimes you just have to put your team before yourself. So like if you're not having a good time or if you're not performing the way you, you should be, your team is behind you, you know, to step up and be there for you and put you on their backs. To you, what is the best way to describe how a meaningful softball has been to you? To me, I think. It's been a very meaningful. It's brought me close to so many people. Growing up, playing travel ball, I mean, I've met people from all over. I've traveled all over. I've been coached by amazing coaches who they really have pushed me to where I'm at today. My family, they've traveled all over with me. I mean, yes, they've sat at like tons and tons and tons of softball games, but those are times they'll never get back. We've all enjoyed the traveling teammates. I still talk to people today that I played with when I was like 10. So, you know, lifelong friends, stuff like that. And it's just the fact of being a part of something. It means a lot to me. I don't even really have words for it. The game means a lot to me. I've seen you as a pitcher primarily throughout your high school career. What drew you to pitching? And in addition to pitching, what other positions do you play? What drew me to pitching, I think a lot had to do with my family. So in my family, they're like, all pitchers. So on my dad's side of the family, we've got like our older cousins. They pitched for Parkside. My younger cousin actually played with me my senior year. And I think my junior year, Casey Donalds, she was also a pitcher. Brittany Donalds is my cousin. She was the varsity starter at Parkside. That rival kind of, you know, Parkside Bennett. 
So we pitched against each other. Just the whole, I don't want to say like the family influenced it, but it was just something that you grew up seeing. So it's like, okay, cool. Like, let's do this. I mean, and now we have younger cousins who are coming up through Travel Ball and coming up through Mardella, Madison Donalds, Elena Donalds. They're all coming up and they're all pitchers too. So it's something to look at. I feel like you kind of like pass the legacy on and you look at it and it's just a good time. But other positions that I played in high school was third base. I really like that. But I just like the intensity on the mound a little bit more. To you, which one involves quicker reflexes, pitching or third base? Which one involves quicker reaction, especially for a line drive? Um, gosh, that's a hard question. Um, I think maybe pitching. But then again, I don't know, because you're already in motion when you're pitching. So if you have a line drive come back to you, you're already kind of ready for it. But like if you're playing third and you're not ready, then... If you're not ready, I mean, you either catch it or eat it. So probably third base, honestly. I think I'm going to change my answer. Third base, I think. I know you were talking about being in position to catch a line drive. What's the hardest hit ball you remember uh, coming back at you? (laughs) The hardest hit ball I remember was when I played at UMES. I think I was pitching against Savannah State. And they had a girl come up who was batting cleanup. So, you know, heavy hitter. and she line drive one back. I mean, it hit me in my leg so hard that I had to wear football pads underneath my softball pants for like the remainder of the year. That's probably the hardest hit ball I remember. It was bad. Like my whole leg was bruised up. So that's probably the hardest hit ball that I remember. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yep. man. And I just think, man, I've seen some crazy things and just watching co-ed rec ball, you yeah. know, and definitely not as geared up as uh, a <laughs> lot of the uh, college and high school level pitchers. I mean, does that gear offer as much protection as you'd like it to or? No, I think they just did that as like a safety thing. But um, I didn't really like wearing them. But I mean, I had to because the athletic director said that I had to do it to be able to play or keep playing because that's how bad my leg was bruised up. Um, But yeah, I think from my younger days playing up until now, the protection level of, you know, wearing the face mask, stuff like that, it's really burned, which I believe is a good thing because the way that bats are made now, if you get a line drive hit back at you, she's coming hard and it's probably going to hurt you and do some damage to you if you don't have that protection there. So that's just something that I really recommend everybody to wear. I know when it comes to pitching, everybody thinks of pitchers' repertoire. They always think of baseball. But for being a softball pitcher, what is a particular repertoire that you have? If someone were to do a scouting report on you pitching, what are your go-to pitches? My go-to pitches would probably have been a change-up, a curveball. My pitches usually had a natural curve on it. So, you know, when I would throw that pitch, it would curve a lot more than uh, normally would. Probably. I would say probably a rise ball. Those would be my top three. And I always wondered, I guess velocity is just as still as important in softball as it is in baseball, but especially with the shorter distance, it's really hard to sort of understand the difference in what a, a true softball fastball is like. Right. Right. Um, I don't really know. I mean, I know people talk about it like, well, what's the difference here? What's the difference here? And, you know, it's been a big debate over the years. But, I mean, unless you really play softball and baseball, you can't really answer that. I just think the – well, I know I probably couldn't hit a baseball. So, obviously, the ball is coming in differently from, you know, over top and under. So, I mean, I think they both have their 
toughness to hit aspect of it. So was there a pitch that you had tried to experiment with and you're like, mm, nah, I don't think I can get the grip on it or it's not doing what I want it to or probably a screwball. I never threw that pitch. I never really got into it. I would place it there, but it never really did what it needed to do. So it would just really come inside. I would just try to throw it there, but a screwball, that wasn't one of my pitches that I threw. So that's probably the only one. So what was a grip for a screwball? I'm curious. I always saw like some of the MLB pitchers, they would just take their hand, they would have it. It felt <laughs> like it was sort of weird, like uh, a weird type of slider type thing where they would just use all their fingers. What is the normal grip for a right. screwball or at least a screwball you tried? Um, the one that I tried was you'd have the ball and you'd like have your finger down here, like, like somewhat on the ball like that. And you'd just like kind of throw it in, but you'd step that way. But personally for me, which people probably think it's crazy. My grip for all my pitches was the same. It was always on the C. So I never changed my grip on my pitches at all. So there's a fun fact. So not even a spatial difference. It's just, was it just a tight grip or was it a loose grip or nothing? Wow. It was just a... Movement of the arm, release of the pitch. And for my change up, I just gripped it tighter. So, yeah, I never changed my grip up or any of that. I was always curious just sort of how <laughs> that worked with the grip, especially you're throwing from a completely different angle as opposed to, like you mentioned, overhead or three quarters and things like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, people would probably think of that like, oh, wow, what? Like, you're definitely not throwing it right. I mean, to each their own, it worked for me. Um I know a lot of pitching coaches nowadays, they go through all the different grips, the different release points and stuff like that. Well, when I began pitching, I only had like the main points. I never went to a pitching coach. It was just, okay, you do this for this, you do this for that. And okay, here you go. Like I never had a pitching coach, but nowadays everybody's getting the whole, you know, here's the grips. You need to do this. You need to step like this. And yeah, I mean, I think it's really good for the kids learning now, but at the time, that's not how I learned. But it's great that people are learning like that now. The actual, you know, how to grip the ball, how to release the ball, where to step, to throw the pitch. I mean, I think it's really good. But that's just not how I pitched. Kind of taught myself. <laughs> and it really worked and it paid off, especially playing on the college yep. level. Before we uh, mention a little more about the college level, what did you prefer the atmosphere of the high school softball level or the travel ball? I always feel like there's two different uh, experiences when you look at them from different aspects. Yeah, I think honestly, I think both of them because they both offered so much different things. So like with the travel ball, I enjoyed, you know, compete. I'm not saying there's not a good competition level in the base side, but I'm saying you see all different types of levels of competition when you're playing travel ball. So I think being with my friends there, people who I'd grown up with, being able to play with them, playing against my other friends, and learning so much about the game, I think that's what I enjoyed the most. And obviously the traveling, because I love to travel. That's what I enjoyed most about travel ball. With high school ball, it was completely different because you go to school, you get out, you go to practice, whatever. So there, if I could go back and do it over again, I'd do it. I would do it all the time. Because it was just so much fun. You just meet so many different people who, like, if you were in the hallways at school and you didn't play a sport or you all weren't involved in the same type of sport, like, these are people you would never talk to a day in your life. But now it's like, like I said with travel ball before, like, I'm still friends with these people who, you know, I played with my freshman year, played with sophomore year. I'm still friends with them today. 
And it's people I would have never talked to before if we didn't play softball together. And just the coaches, like I have a very good relationship with my coaches still today. It's just more of a family, I think, than a team with the people I've played over the years. And that's definitely true. And actually going on to the next point about softball in high school, I know when you were playing and the time I was a sports reporter, it was more rampant uh, than it was any other time where people would change school for whatever sport just to sort of get that advantage. You end up seeing sort of the super teams at some right. schools and I'll, I'll leave whatever <laughs> schools those are and yeah. whatever sports they are left alone. But everybody knows it didn't matter. You could see it in the newspaper. You could hear it on Twitter. You could see it somewhere else. Other people are talking about it. Yep. Did the thought of ever transferring to pursue either greater exposure or competitive advantages, did it ever cross your mind? And and if so, how close were you to deciding to leaving Bennett before changing your mind? Absolutely not. No, there's no way because you would see it. I mean, like you just said, you'd see kids, they play one, two years at one school and then you're transferring off somewhere else. No. So obviously, like you said, we've seen it. Okay. You all are stacking up teams, but then they came out with a rule, I guess, where you'd have to sit a year or something if you transferred. But back to the question, no, I would have never left my Bennett softball team. Never. Absolutely not. And I mean, and during the time when I was playing, this is how crazy it gets. My family had moved. So we were in Y High District. And this might be breaking the rules or whatever. But we kept our address where I was still able to get a Bennett, still able to play with my team because that was my team. Like, that's who I started with. That's who I'm going to finish with. And no, the coaches, amazing there. Um the school, my teachers, they're great. And just the whole like community together with that. I mean, and I wanted to start my own, you know, my family, they had gone to Parkside and stuff like that. I want to start my own legacy somewhere else. I don't want to have to be up behind somebody else or like, oh, this is so-and-so's cousin. Like, no. So Bennett was my home. Bennett's where I stayed. And I did not have any thought of transferring, moving or anything. So no. Did people try to recruit you? Now, while you may have not decided, did other people say, you should come here, get a shot? You know, it's 1A here or it's 2A here right. or something like that. Um, I don't think so. I mean, nothing that was brought to my attention. I mean, comments may have been said, uh, but nothing that was brought directly to me now. But I'm sure that happens a lot nowadays and prior. I know living in Delaware probably is not as easy, especially northern Delaware, probably not as easy as it was when the Bayside was more like the Wild West, where, right? you know, you see somebody in September, next thing you know, Thanksgiving. Exactly. <laughs> they went from Bennett, they went from Bennett to Y High, or they went from Snow Hill to Decatur, or the other way around. Exactly. Yep. After staying at Bennett all four years, going to UMES, what led to your decision to play softball at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore? Um, I think my biggest decision was, for one, it was close to home. My family lives 10 minutes down the street. I'm a homebody, so I didn't want to leave home. I didn't want to go to school somewhere else other than, you know, the Eastern Shore. Another thing was I wanted to play Division One softball just so I can, like, travel because I love to travel, like I said. I wanted to travel. I wanted to go down south, you know, playing the MEAC, traveling all the time down south. I mean, that's my favorite part. And I think another thing that really led it was throughout high school, I had done a CTE program at Parkside and I was involved in criminal justice. So they had the criminal justice major there. So I wanted to pursue that. But yeah, that's what really led me there. Before we go back to the softball part, you mentioned criminal justice. What was it that led to an interest in criminal justice? 
a good program down at UMES, but what has been your aspirations when it came to criminal justice? Um, I think that really brought me into wanting to do that just because I thought it was interesting and I was really involved in like wanting to help people. My interest was to like do child advocacy, so like investigating child crimes and stuff like that. But, you know, life happened. We take different paths. Not saying that I did anything wrong. I can't be in the criminal justice program or anything, but I'm just saying I didn't go in the job field that I expected to go in when I graduated. So I still have my bachelor's in criminal justice, but I am working in a different job field. So I always have something to fall back on if, you know, I do decide to go in that field. So I know you mentioned child advocacy would be more on the law enforcement officer side or more on the uh, lawyer side. I think more on like the law enforcement side. So like I really wanted to be like sort of like a detective or something like that. I wanted to go in that type of field. So I wanted to be the one like investigating, okay, what happened here? Like we're getting all this information, you know, interrogation, stuff like that. So that's really what I wanted to do. But other paths happen. I think there's a plan for everybody. So that just wasn't it. And going back to the softball aspect of playing at UMES, what was it like? Uh, I guess even what was the adjustment from going from the high school level of playing softball to the college level? What was the biggest difference? Um, I think probably all the practicing because honestly, like my day would go, which I didn't live on campus. So every morning I would have to drive there at like five fifteen in the morning to get ready for like your morning campus runs and, you know, your morning workouts, stuff like that. Then you'd go to class at eight o'clock. You do all that. You have another practice at like three or so, and then you go to dinner and then you have another practice like later that night. And it was just all the time. So it's really something where you have to work on your time management. You have to work on, you know, studying extra hard because you're like missing out on a lot of time. And I think it was just a real big difference because you have so much more freedom down there. So you really have to stay on top of things, you know, to be successful in your studies and maintain being on the softball team. Yeah, I actually did one of the practices when I was a freshman at UMES. I tried out for the baseball team. Yeah, after getting up and doing the practices at six o'clock in the morning (laughs) with one of my friends, we never made the varsity or JV in high school. Honestly, I'm like, nope, this is not for me. (laughs) I mean, if I'm going to get up early, I might as well wait for an eight o'clock English class that you can't avoid, but ended up being me down the road. My friend ended up playing, never played high school baseball on a varsity or JV level play baseball at, at division one level as a, as a walk on. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. He, <laughs> he enjoyed that experience. I mean, that's interesting. I mean, and you got a scholarship to play at UMES, right? Um, No, or, I was actually just a walk on. Walk on as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yep. What was that like, especially again, competing for a spot on a walk on? I hear some people were told, well, you as a walk on, you, you have a shot of making the team, but was it a tough competition for a walk on spot? I don't believe so. I mean, like my situation was different because, I kind of was offered, but they didn't want to use the scholarship money on me because my financial aid was paying for everything. So, I mean, I understand where they're coming from. So I technically was a walk on, but I still signed my letter of intent. So I think it was difficult in the aspect. I mean, kind of for everybody to earn your spot because we had a bunch of new freshmen coming in. One of the freshmen, which was a local, she went to Laurel um, High School. Her name's Alexis Hudson. So I played with her. Um, so that we had a lot of talent in our freshman class. So, I mean, everybody had to step up and work for a position. I, yeah, I remember Alexis. Yeah, I covered a lot of Laurel stuff, too. It's interesting. Did you play with Carmen as well, Carmen Frazier? I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. 
<laughs> was she there what during your what sophomore year or she was there my uh, freshman year freshman year okay yep. yeah I, I knew your paths crossed but i was just trying to remember what time period was yep yep what was the experience like especially traveling on the road playing in the miyak you, you mentioned a competition traveling down south what were the experiences like especially just sort of getting away more from the eastern shore yeah. um the experience the experiences were great until you stepped on the softball field most of the time. I mean, we got it handed to us. I mean, once you get down south, those are different types of people down there because these people were like, like it was bred into them. Like you're going to be an amazing softball player. But I mean, we had a team to compete. I just don't think it all just meshed together like it should have. But we had really good girls that played for us. But yeah, it, we just didn't have a good record um, when I was there. But the traveling, it was a lot, and we had a lot of fun when we did that. So we would mostly leave on, like, a Thursday every week, and then we'd come back a Sunday. And then you go to class on Monday, but you wouldn't have practice on Monday. So it was fun. It was different. But like I said, you had to, like, really stay on top of things, or if not, you're going to fail out your class. What was the downtime like on a road trip, and what were some of the interesting places you were able to visit? Um, The downtime was study hall. So... When you're not doing it, like when you're back at the hotel, our study hall, I guess, athletic advisor would come with us on the road. Um, and we still had to have 10 hours of study hall a week. So when we're in the hotel, I mean, we're doing study hall. We're studying, clocking in our hours because that's what you had to have to be eligible to travel every week was 10 hours of study hall. But we would go to like dinner. Um, that's a lot of places. When we went to Savannah. For spring break, we did like a couple different exhibition games when we, we were going for like a week and a half. So we went some pretty cool places there. I know they would normally go to like Tybee Island, like near Savannah, um, and just go to the beach down there. But yeah, we went a bunch of different places. So, and you like, you experience so much more when you're down there playing with these types of people. But yeah, we had a lot of fun when we traveled. Did you do any other extracurricular activities in addition to softball while at us? No, I did not. Mm-mm. Nope. I was more focused on, you know, I think it's, if I would have stayed on campus, I think I would have. But, you know, living off campus, I was more involved in the things, you know, I was doing before I went to UMES. So, like, hanging out with my friends down here, you know, going to class, coming home. I mean, it was kind of like that. So, if I would have went back, I would have involved myself in a lot more. I mean, I made a lot of friends down there, don't get me wrong, but I would have gotten involved in a lot more things than I did. How long did you end up playing at UMS? Well, I played my freshman year and then I quit, unfortunately. Um, if I could go back, I'd redo it all. But I think my personal life got involved in it a little too much. And I just wasn't enjoying the game like I thought I would when I went to college. You know, because it's just such a different atmosphere. Well, not like atmosphere. But I'm saying it's like so much put on you. And like we didn't have a good winning record. We... Our record was actually horrible my freshman year. And I didn't think I could ever unlike the game like I did when I was playing there. So I just felt like not that it was a waste of time that I was putting in or that I could be doing something totally different. Um, but it was just a time in my life where I was like, okay, you know what? I think I'm just done with this softball thing. Like, I think I'm done. So it was just the, I lost the love of the game when I went and played in college. So. That was my only really decision on why I stopped playing. 
What do you feel like it would have been, you mentioned being a commuter as opposed to staying on campus. If you were on campus, what was campus life like when you were there on campus <laughs> outside of the softball and classes? Um, campus life when I was there as a freshman, it was just crazy. Like you meet so many different people, so many different cultures are there just meshed together. And like you learn so much about just everything they would have crazy events like everybody's having a good time they didn't care what you looked like it was literally just one big family and like that's what I try to explain somebody I mean like obviously being white going to an HBCU like some people would walk in there and they're like oh my this is different like this is a culture shock but when I went there I'm like oh my goodness like this is just great like I met so many different people I mean in in high school I was always the type of person where I get along with anybody like you could be anybody and I'm just going up there talking to you we could be the best of friends so like down there it's just so much different like everybody's so welcoming I don't think I ever witnessed like any type of drama with myself I mean I'm sure there was stuff that went on but like and everybody just had fun everybody was just having fun like the parties events everything basketball games it was just fun just a fun time I was about to ask which were better parties the tall gym parties or the cluster parties uh, I'm going to take you back one. I would say the talents parties. Okay. Talents. Those, the block parties, um, but clusters too, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, talents was just built when I was graduating. So yeah. it was either, and nothing ever happened at Hawks landing. I know it was either Taws. <laughs> it was the clusters. Um, <laughs> actually I think the last weekend before I graduated talents was open and there was like a little gathering. Oh, well, little gathering. I, I can't say that. it was a gathering. I went for a little bit and like, nah, I'm just gonna <laughs> turn back in, went to bed like four o'clock and sprung up at seven 30 just to get ready to go to the high center for graduation. But yeah, yeah, I'll admit I wasn't even much of the party type. I mean, I'd go. I went a couple times in Tall's party ended early for reasons yeah. that I assume are still the same. Doesn't matter whatever you go to any party at any college. Things end early because people don't know how to act. But yeah, yeah. I would say that. Yeah, I, I would say I, I agree. Probably the cluster parties were, were a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. It was always a good time down there. I mean, I definitely miss it. I wish I would have done some things differently. But yeah, it was definitely a good time. And just going back to the one thing you mentioned as being a white person at a historically black college, you know, it's some people you hear mixed results. And again, as anybody would know, you can't really tell what other people's experiences were. You can only just go by your own. But, right. you know, the majority of people I know that were white who went to UMS, I don't think had much of an issue. And then that's, a, you know, again, like I said, case by case basis and things like that. And you mentioned you had no problems. You saw no drama, no issues like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I loved it there. I mean, I think everyone should experience, you know, at least a semester or two at an HBCU because like you learn so much about just like, I don't want to say like the world, but like you learn about so many different cultures. Like when I went there, I had classmates in my classes who were like from like PG County and, you know, Baltimore. And they're just like totally different types of Marylanders. I'm like, wow, like I never seen this before, but like, it's just so cool how like, you can go, okay, Eastern Shore, then you got the Western Shore here where these people are like different, like, and it's cool. So you just learn a lot about a lot of people and it changes your mindset on a lot of things too. And it, it's funny, people even from Baltimore, you could find two people from Baltimore and they're not even the same. It's exactly. two completely different, two completely different cultures. And I always used to joke that how a lot of people from across the bridge used to talk about how country we would sound and mm -hmm. they had more of a twang or an accent than we did. 
Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the way they talk is a lot different. But now, like, I can always pick up on, like, it's like, oh, yeah, you're from Baltimore. Like, yeah, you're from New York. Like, I can pick up on the stuff. So it's just so funny because I know if I'm not saying if I wouldn't have went there, I wouldn't know, like, these different types of dialects that people use. But, like, I really wouldn't. So it's just cool. Just, like, the little things that you pick out. Yeah, especially, like, somebody says something with an O in it and you can tell they're from Baltimore <laughs> or not. That's how you can really tell just through that dialect. Um, right. What is the biggest takeaway from your experience at UMES? I think my biggest takeaway was just meeting new people, which it sounds weird and it sounds like that might not have been like much, but like I'm the type of person where people will open like my mindset up to like different things. So like if I learn something about you or if I learn something about like where you're from or like your culture or just really anything, it really just sticks with me. So um, that's something that I take throughout life where, okay, so I learned this about this. Maybe if someone else doesn't understand the way that I'm looking at it or the way that someone else who I know has experienced these types of things um, is trying to explain something or says like how this is affecting them, maybe I can be the one to, okay, well, this is what I've seen here. Um, Let me try to break it down for you a little bit and, you know, just pass off that knowledge that I've learned, which that's probably my biggest takeaway from going to UMES. So that would be it. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things, and from my experience, I still have friends I keep in contact with people I didn't even know, like going to Snow Hill for a long time. I had friends who, who I met in college who went to school like in Del Mar, who went to school in Salisbury. And there's a good chance that I probably went to school with some of the people in Salisbury. I have friends I kept in touch with. I can say I've known people for almost, it really has been about 20 years since I, right. went to, since I first started going to UMES and I try to keep in contact and touch with them. And I think that's one of the biggest things, the friends that you make from uh, your time in college, there's different levels of friends. There's the people you've been friends with since elementary school. Then there's the people you were friends with in high school. Then there's the people you went to college with that uh, I guess see you as you mature more. And then there's work friends and there's different levels of work friends there too. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, like you said, I've got tons of friends from like all over the United States. I mean, I had a friend in college who was from Alaska. I mean, Colorado, California, Ohio, and then all the way up the East Coast. I mean, like you just meet so many different people. So I just think that's a real good thing about, you know, going to college specifically and then, you know, being involved in like sports or extracurricular activities. Um, so I think it really just gets you out there like that. I know you mentioned traveling. Where was the furthest you've traveled, your favorite place to travel, and what's your dream place to visit? My furthest place that I've traveled um, was Arizona and Las Vegas. I went with my best friend for my 22nd birthday or something like that. Um, So, yeah, that was the furthest place that I'd been, like, alone with, like, you know, someone my age. So we were kind of just thrown out there. So that's the furthest place I've been. Um, A place that I really want to go would probably, I want to go to an island somewhere. Cause like, I've never, I've never been out of the country. So like, I'm thinking like maybe like Mexico or I don't know, like a Caribbean Island or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, it's funny. Uh, I, I know people interesting to see how many people who've, who don't even have a passport. And, and it's funny when you look at the investment of it, it's good for right. 10 years and it's like paying what, $11 a year for 10 years. So right. you don't have to even, uh, you know, you get it done once the worst you have to deal with. It's like 
you know, getting a passport photo at like the pharmacy. It's like right. the ice cream. Their cameras are like the ice cream machines at McDonald's. They never work sometimes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. After college, I know you got back into playing uh, softball again, playing co-ed stuff. What led to that decision to get back to it? How did you find a love for softball again? And do you play any fast pitch anymore? Um, I think what really brought me back to it, well, I began playing slow pitch with you for the Daily Times team. Um, you know, and I just stayed involved in it a lot over the years. Um, I ended up putting teams into the Salisbury League. And now I've last year I played in like four leagues last season. So like I kind of had to take it down a notch because I was literally leaving work every day and going to a league game. So I'm like, okay, Kelly, you really got to slow her down because – we're not as young as we used to be, and I really am feeling that on my body. But, but um, currently I do play on a slow pitch women's team um, called Team Autism Apparel. Um, so we do a lot of traveling throughout the season, throughout the year, um, and it's really brought me back into the community. I mean, it was different because you know playing all these years fast pitch, growing up with these girls, and then switching into co-ed that I played for a couple years, and that's I'm playing with like men, I'm playing with women, which mostly I was playing with men, and then to transition back to playing with all women, I mean, it was completely different. I mean, but these girls are great, um, and you play with people from all age groups, so it's it shows you that it doesn't just stop when you graduate or you know, when you age out of playing travel ball. So there's something for every age group out there if you still are interested in playing ball. So it's fun. I know you mentioned playing for so many different teams. Would you say softball became an addiction again or? <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Like um, a year ago, I would play in all these leagues and then every weekend I'm playing in a benefit tournament or, you know, throughout the week if you don't have a game you're out the field hitting I'm like then you're kind of like okay well what am I doing all this for you know it's fun and all but I'm using up a lot of time and I'm getting old so I was like using up all the time well now that I've joined this women's team it's like okay now we're kind of on some serious path here like so now we're actually working up towards you know winning these different titles and you know championships and stuff like that so you know I kind of feel like it kind of it worked itself out but it's actually brought me to be, you know, once you stop playing a competitive level and then you play like these little fun benefit backyard tournaments, it's like, okay, well, I'm gonna be out here being all lazy. Like, I'm not even gonna really try. But now it's like, okay, Kelly, it's time to step it up a notch. You know, we're playing back, we're playing back seriously. So, you know, that's been a pretty good transition up until now. So now we're really just, you know, in the swing of things. So it's fun. Well, we always talk about your pitching, but honestly, I, we never talk about the hitting aspect. How good of a hitter are you? Well, I kind of had this conversation today with someone, but like I do not talk about how good I am. So because I feel like it's kind of like I'm a very humble person. So you'll never hear me saying, oh, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. Like some people like, no, I do not talk about how good I am because I'm a big believer of, you know, you put bad juju on yourself and like, when you talk about yourself, that's how, if I'm going to sit here and say, oh, I'm the best hitter out here, you know, I'm doing this, I will go out there this weekend and not hit a thing. So I don't like to talk about myself, but I believe I'm above average. So <laughs> I, I just like to let my, um, let my skill level speak for itself. <laughs> what are the distances that, uh, fence distances that you guys play at uh, in the leagues and how many of you hit over the fence? 
Um, I think the guys are more – they're more the ones that hit them over the fence because normally in, like, the leagues, we're used to playing on, like, Henry Parker Field. So they're, like, pretty big fields. I mean, they're not your average 200-foot field that you're playing in high school. So, yeah, I mean, you're playing on the men's fields. So, I mean, it's a lot harder for the women. Um, I'm not whew, I'm not saying nothing about women because I know we can do it. But it's a lot harder for females, women, to um, hit them out of that field with the big fence. So, but yeah. Yeah, I was still amazed watching in one co-ed league where uh, one woman, she cranked one out of the, the field behind Billie Jean Jackson. I'm, I'm shocked because that's yeah. probably bigger than the YMCA field, probably on par with the uh, I think probably on par with some of the other Henry Parker fields, but she cranked it and left-handed too, nonetheless, because yeah. I still remember that. It she she put a jolt in that and you know, smaller ball, which of course the men right. ended up using the bigger ball in the co-ed leagues. I, I was just <laughs> I was dumbfounded when I saw that. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of women that can really, you know, they can hit them out of there, but I'm saying most most of the women that play out there in these leagues, I mean, yeah, they're hitting them hard, but nobody's really putting them out of them fields like that. But there is a couple that can do it. <laughs> and I know you're under 30. I know you're definitely under 30. You're probably under, what, 26, right? Under I'll 26? be 26 in June. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I, you were talking about the wear and tear. <laughs> and I feel like especially as you're under 30 and while you're no longer under 20, is it that physically demanding playing those games? I mean, do you feel even worse than you would have after uh, you would have when you were playing in, in the high school level? Oh, yeah. Yep. Because, you know, when you're playing high school and you're practicing every day and you're using them same muscle groups and same movement, stuff like that, you're putting in the reps, the reps, the reps. And, um, yeah, no. So if I go out and play, like, a weekend, if I haven't, like, done something throughout the week, like, religiously, then, oh, yeah, I'm hurting on Monday morning. So <laughs> it definitely puts some, some pressure on you. Have you ever thought about coaching teams, uh, even at the recreational or high school level? Has that ever crossed your mind, or would you do it if the opportunity comes across? I mean, I've seen a lot of young uh, college-age coaches who were about your age who were teaching and coaching some teams on varsity. Right. Um, when I had graduated college, um, like a year or two after that, I began coaching with one of my best friends on um, a travel softball team. So I did that for about a year or two, and then I started a new job. So that was kind of demanding on my time, so I had to end up stopping that. Um, so during that time, I actually had went back to Bennett and was helping Coach Fitzgerald coach the varsity team. So I did that for about two or three years, and you know, and then COVID hit, and everything was kind of put on a halt. So they're starting back up, um, but. My job is just very demanding right now during this time. So, yeah, but I did go back, you know, to the old stomping grounds, you know, got to join Coach Fitzgerald. And it was just really good being back there. It was really, like, surreal being back on the field but on the other side. So you really do witness a lot of things that you wouldn't had, you know, taken into account when you were playing. So it was really cool. One thing I had to ask about your time at Bennett, you were there during the uh, building of the new high school, right? Were you I or was. were you there once the tail end? I mean, what was that experience like transitioning from the old school to that new structure and just sort of everything changing? And look, I know I had some nieces who they saw what it was like with Snow Hill, where they would see everything change around them. Everything they remembered is completely gone. Right. Um, my freshman year was in the old Bennett. So, yeah, that's totally different because where I went to Bennett Middle, 
it was kind of the same thing there. Like you got the chicken house band, you don't got no air conditioning, like everything is kind of the same. So it wasn't a big transition for me there. Um, but then my sophomore year, we moved into the new school and that was just like, wow, this is, this is really like something you all have really upped it up here. But yeah, it wasn't too bad of a transition. It was just where it was so much bigger and you had to really relearn where everything's at. But yeah, it was really cool being the first sophomore class in there. So it was fun. Did you ever, I'm assuming, I don't know what other talents you have other than softball, but did you ever do rock and roll revival or anything along those lines? Or <laughs> Nope. I just did softball. That's it. Just a... Just did one thing. That's it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, I always hear about what it's like for Rock and Roll Revival and how strenuous it is. I mean, singing in itself is like, honestly, the equivalent of, of a sport within yeah. itself. And I can only imagine the work they go through and things like that. And th that had For to sure. be uh, interesting. Yeah, that's an awesome, you know, awesome program that they do there. And the kids, they're just so talented. I mean, I've been a couple years to watch it and it's just like, wow you would never expect like and it's the same thing with being like involved in a sports team i would say it like that because you have all these kids that come together they're doing this one thing this one production and they're all coming together which you've got these kids here and these kids over here who would never speak before until you know this one thing just brought them all together so i think it's just really cool and all the high school programs that you know they put on and all the extracurricular activities at the end of the day i mean i just think it's a great thing and I think that's what's so sad about today's world where, okay, you're not having these things happen. So what about the kids now? So, I mean, I know I've talked to my mom about it. I mean, I would be devastated if I lost out on like my senior year, my junior year of doing things. So it really hurts my heart for the kids nowadays. Yeah. And it's definitely crazy just seeing some of these classes having to do virtual graduations and things like right. that. And, and I know last year, when COVID first hit, everyone was doing the prom photo uh, thing in solidarity for those who were missing their proms and senior pictures and things like right. that. And I could only imagine how really how tough and frustrating that is. And even the lack of a head start that you would have had in high school, people starting college in these circumstances who may feel they weren't even prepared for something like this, especially right. you know losing everything that they would have been able to do in class for their senior year. Right. I mean, and then it makes it think like the kids where obviously you have kids in these sports programs in high school where, you know, some of them aren't as fortunate enough to play in like a travel program or, you know, AAU basketball or any type of other club or whatever outside of high school. I mean, where do these kids get a college recruiter seeing them at? Or you would go to a Bennett basketball game, for instance, and, you know, you got college coaches out there in the stands watching them. Well, what about the kids who don't have the access to the outside, you know, recruiting world of like AAU basketball or, you know, playing like a travel sport? I mean, that's really what just what, you know, I just think about crazy stuff. But like, I'm just like, my gosh, like I couldn't imagine. So I just think it really puts a damper on everything because all the missed opportunities that people, you know, aren't going to have access to. Yeah, that is just something eventually, I assume, within the next six months or so that things will sort of get back to normal. I think right. maybe this half of the school year might be a lost cause, but hopefully come uh, late August, early September, that things are back to some semblance of normalcy. Right. Yeah, hopefully we're on the upward with that. So we can hope. I know one thing, especially you've been going through, I guess lifestyle change would be sort of, I guess, the, the term to use. I know that you've been heavily getting into working on the gym and things like that. What led to yeah. that decision to to do that and 
to you? What have you seen as a result of the work you've been putting in? Um, I think my biggest thing was, you know, sometimes you're just ready for a lifestyle change or you just need something to spark. Like you, you just need something like at, for so long, I was just the type of person where, you know, you're just drifting through life. Like you're not really having anything happen to you. You know, you're it's honestly at the end of the day, it's just like, you need to focus on you. So that was the biggest thing for me. And it's like, okay, well, like, what do I need to do here? Well, my ultimate goal was to continue playing softball, you know, ultimately making like a travel team or joining a more serious softball team. Um, So I'm like, okay, well, I'm about to hop in the gym. And it was really just a big stress reliever. It's something that I did that I enjoyed, um, you know, just working out and just feeling, getting your energy back. That was a big thing for me. So that was probably my biggest thing. I just, I was looking for a change in my life. So that's really it. What's more strenuous, the lifting part or the cardio part? Probably the cardio because, I mean, you can ask any of my coaches. I hated the running. I didn't want to run. I don't want to do the cardio. I mean, that's the biggest thing on me. The lifting part, I would do that all day long. But, you know, the cardio part is fine too, but it's just not one of my favorite things to do. So, Do you have a personal best in bench or squat or anything like that? No, I don't. I really don't. I just go in there and I, you know, I do what works for me. So I don't get by like a set plan. I go in there if I want to do arms today, if I want to do legs today, you know, I just go in there and do it. I mean, it works for me. It might not work for everybody. And people think, well, you need to go in there with a set plan. You need to go in there doing this. You need to do this. You need to do this. And I'm just like, that does not work for me. This is working for me. So I'm going to continue to do this. And until it doesn't work, maybe I'll take your advice. <laughs> and yeah, like you said, uh, you've seen a lot of gains. You've, uh, I guess, like I said, you've seen a transformation that where you've seen weight loss that you've seen beneficial from that, I guess, you know, yeah. it's hard to say to a woman like, well, you've lost weight, <laughs> you know, because yeah. that's, yeah, that's right. the worst thing no. you would have said to anybody. Shoot, you can't offend me. But um, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, and I think a lot had to do with like, I used to drink a lot of sodas. So I kind of cut them out. I mean, that's really what did it. I mean, the working out, yeah, that helped a little bit, but just cutting out sodas focusing on like your portion control and stuff like that. So that's really what did it for me. But the gym, it really helped a lot. You know, it made my moods better. Like I had some energy when I would go to work in the morning. Like I didn't want to lay in bed all day. So yeah, I mean, it's just fun. And I just like being at the gym. So how many hours do you spend at the gym? Um, well, I'm going to start going back, but normally I would do like two hours a night or something like that. Cause normally I would do like a cardio class or something. And then I'd go out and I'd lift afterwards. But before, like I started my new job, I was going like twice a day, which was working for me. So people say, you don't have to go twice a day. You don't need to do this, but it worked for me. So I'm going to start doing that again here soon. But yeah, that's really what I do. And like you said, for everybody, it works differently. Uh, some people, they just do cardio all the time. Some people just lift and do no cardio. And I mean, and like I said, if it works for someone, it works for someone, right. you know, although it never hurts to integrate a couple of things here and there. Exactly. One of the things we wanted to do, just sort of try something different <laughs> from the norm. I always ask people this question when it comes to this celebrity look like, who have you been told that people say you look like? Gosh, I don't, I don't really know. I mean... <laughs> Oh, man. I don't know. I have no clue. I mean, like, if I was going to say, like, if I was to have somebody play me as a character, as me as a, in a movie, I was thinking about this, and I'm like, you know what, Kelly, you're pretty funny. So I'd probably go with, like, Melissa McCarthy, because, like, she's one of my favorite actresses, and she's hilarious, and I tend to think that I'm pretty funny, too. So 
that's probably who I would pick. <laughs> yeah, because it's interesting when you ask people that, it sort of throws somebody off guard and it's like, man, I never really thought about it. Or some people yeah. are like, yeah, I've been told this, this, and this. So, you know, they say it's like three or four different people. And it's always interesting right. just to see what the response is to this. And because really, it, it, it's something that makes people think. I, I remember in a class I had one of my college professors who's still at UMES, she would have us talk to a media professional. We'd talk about the career. And then they would ask, tell us to, you know, throw some question out of there. Like, oh, if you were a color, what would you be? Or something along those lines. <laughs> or if you were an animal, what would you be? Because you never know what people will say because it, right. it gets people thinking. Actually, that is an interesting question. If you were a color, what would you be? If I was a color, um, probably purple because that's my favorite color, just because. So that'd probably be the color that I chose. What about you? Oh, that is a good question. See, I turn it on you. How about that? Yeah. You know, and that's rarely do I get a question color based. You know, I would say blue. I like blue. Yeah, it's an interesting color. I feel like, again, different shades of it. That That's always easy. Black would have been an easy answer to say because it goes with everything. But, you know, I'll say blue. I will definitely there say you blue. Go. That's a good answer. Mm -hmm. Before we start getting close to wrapping this up, one question I would ask you, especially, like I said, you're fairly young. And so you're, tw you're 25 on the verge of turning 26 in mm -hmm. June. What would be advice that you would give to your younger self? Wow. Well, I think the advice I would give to my younger self would be don't give up because I feel like I would have made it much more further in my athletic career if I wouldn't have given up when I got DMS, you know, I quit my freshman year. So I definitely would have stuck that out. And also it would be probably to be nicer to yourself. Because I was the type of, I, I mean, I still am the type of person, well, I would really just put myself down, you know, stuff like that. So it would probably be the more, be more nicer to yourself, stay positive, and, you know, just go with the flow and make it happen. Mm -hmm. That'll be it. And I always think that we're always our own worst critics, uh, no matter how we see a lot of people may give us praise and things like that. But it's just hard for us sometimes to accept that, which can be a tough thing sometimes. I mean, it all depends to the extent on where we struggle with criticizing ourselves, because some people, OK, it, it's minor things and other things. It it can lead to a whole uh, spiral and a, and a deep, dark hole. And right. that's why it, it's always and like you mentioned, being kinder to yourself is something that is definitely important. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a big thing, too. So that really would be my advice to myself and to anyone who is watching. So mm. I would definitely do that. What are ways people can reach out to you on social media? I know that it's funny. I think of in this generation of, you know, they have the Gen Zs and the millennials <laughs> and things like that. I, I don't know what you would classify yourself as if you can classify yourself more as a millennial or Gen Z or if you even think about that. But are you big on social media and what are ways people can reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, I have all basically social media accounts um, that can be reached out to on Facebook. Kelly Cullen, my name on Facebook. Um, I have an Instagram. Um, you can just search my name there. I'll pop right up. Um, that's really the only ones that I really use. So, yeah, on there. So, I mean, mm -hmm. feel free to message me whenever. Send me a friend request. Any particular shout outs? Anyone you want to give a shout out to, say hello to? Probably, you know, like my softball teammates. I'd probably shout them out. My mom. And really, that's it. Shouting out all my friends. So, that's it. 
One more thing I have to ask you before we go. I know you're yeah. a diehard Washington fan, oh, Washington football team, Washington Redskins yeah. fan, depending right. on the, how you prefer it. First of all, I have to ask is what was your thought when they initially talked about the name change last spring or last summer? My initial thought was we've already lost about everything. So why not just lose the name too? We'll just start fresh. We'll start fresh and clean. So, you know, I think it was probably a good thing. And I felt like it was pretty much needed. But at the same time, I still call on the Washington Redskins, you know, because it's a habit. But yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. I'm okay with it, I think. <laughs> uh, do you have an idea for a name that you would like to hear? And also, what were your thoughts on the season that just passed? Um, I don't really have an idea on the name change or anything, but I think the season was a lot better, you know, um, especially with beating the Steelers after they were undefeated. So that was a big, you know, moment for me that I really remember. And then just watching them and, you know, Alex Smith winning comeback player of the year, watching Chase Younger form, which, you know, that's really good too. I just think we have some good seasons coming ahead of us, especially with our new head coach. So we should be okay. Yeah, I'm crossing fingers as well. There's nowhere to go but up, especially after winning the division, because they said before, once you learn how to win, everything else falls into place. Doesn't matter if you're seven and nine or you're six and ten and things like that. There are plenty of teams that struggle but won a division. You can look at the Seahawks. They won one playoff game. They were seven, eight, and one, I think beat the Saints, and then a couple of years later, they uh, at least won a Super Bowl, and they were in another one, too. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all going to go up from here. I mean, I think we're going to have some probably good draft picks, so we should be good. I'm just ready to get back to the game. Definitely. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that soon. Who is your baseball team? As much as we talk about that, are you a big baseball fan while you played softball? I'm not, no. But if I had to choose one, it'd probably be the Yankees. You're probably an Orioles fan, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably choose the Yankees just because if I had to choose one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't watch much baseball, just football, softball. That's not it. That's why I was always curious because I know a few people who play softball, they're like, eh, yeah. I'm, you know, I played sports, but I don't watch it much or right. I, I don't watch baseball or things like that. That's why I was really curious about that aspect. Right. I just think to me, this is me personally, I just feel like it's just like a slowed down. I just don't like it. I just feel like it's like kind of slow. Maybe it's just from playing softball so long. I'm used to the high energy or something. I don't know. Do you prefer watching sporting events on TV or live? Oh, definitely live, depending what the game is. So, like, my friends and I will usually go to the Redskins home opener. So, you know, we've missed out on that the past one or two years. So that's always a fun time. And I just like the atmosphere of it at our home field. I'm not going anywhere else. Like, Eagle Stadium, I'm not going. But... (laughs) But if we're going to FedEx Field, we're in there. I mean, any opportunity we can get to watch it live, definitely. But, yeah, other than that, I mean, we're, we're okay with watching it on television. But I just love FedEx Field. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to when they build a new right. stadium that's a little more metro accessible. But that's right. for me. Driving in the middle of Prince George's County and trying <laughs> to get on 95 is just a pain. But if they right. build it where RK is, just get right off on Stadium Armory. I'll be good to go. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> It's good to see that Kelly was able to find that lost passion for softball and continue to play it at a competitive level. It's so interesting that when I used to interview Kelly during my time as a newspaper reporter, I wasn't sure if I could ever get more than a few words out of her. Thankfully, this interview was able to put my old notions to rest.
Next time, as we continue my interviews with UMES alumni, I talk with Kenny Brown and Linwood Outlaw. We'll discuss what led to them going to UMES, becoming a journalism and English major, and much more. Don't forget, you can find episodes of The Sports Refuge wherever podcasts are heard, including Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, and more. Also, feel free to subscribe, share, and leave a review as well. Until next time, this is Earl Holland saying thanks for listening and have a good one. You've been listening to the Sports Refuge podcast. For more information about our show and our guests, go to our website at thesportsrefuge.com. Follow us on Twitter at The Sports Refuge, on Instagram at Sports Refuge Sports Blog, and on Facebook at The Sports Refuge Sports Blog. Thank you for listening.